Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to FT Weekend. I am your host, Lila Raptopoulos. Today we are changing up the format to do something a little bit different because a film that shook the world came out recently. We're doing a roundtable about Taylor Swift. Um, that means I should probably do this again. Hi, welcome. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. I am a nightmare dressed as a daydream. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here in the New York studio with Anna Nicolau, our U.S. media correspondent. She is the breeze in my hair on the weekend. <laughs> Hi, Anna. I truly couldn't be happier to be here. <laughs> also with us from London is Joe Ellison, editor of HTSI and deputy editor of FT Weekend, who is also crucially the James Dean daydream Look in my eye. <laughs> I don't know. Hi, Joe. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. So all three of us went to movie theaters recently for the opening weekend of Eras. That is the film version of Taylor Swift's sold-out Eras tour. Um, the film is a cut-down version of Taylor Swift's U.S. tour. It was filmed during her stop in L.A. over three nights. Um, and over the course of the weekend, it has become the highest grossing concert film of all time, just in one weekend. Uh, Anna, it was right under Barbie. Is that right? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. So basically for the price of a movie ticket, as a, as a movie goer, you get to be at the concert, have the best seat in the house, uh, see everything that's going on. And that's great because the tour was uh, famously exorbitant. Joe, maybe you can explain the movie itself. What, how was the show organized? So it's like a, it's effectively a uh, ticket to the show, no frills, no backstage, no conversation, no monologue. It's it's pretty much a kind of like breakdown, abridged version of what exactly what you would see in the stadium, except that you are watching it in like on the front seat in high definition, swooping around with the drones and getting this kind of like incredible access all areas sort of view of the show, which is a two hour, 48 minute, I think, <laughs> um, version of her era's tour, which is a condensed version of her 10 studio albums that she's released, bridging 17 years of Taylor, the life of Taylor Swift. Yes. Anna, what did we miss? Nothing. That was perfect. I mean, the, the, I guess the line out of the Taylor camp was this is the way for people who couldn't afford to go to the show to experience it. And they want it to be an event. So it's only showing Thursday through Sunday. Right. Can we talk about the experience seeing it? Anna? Yeah. How would you describe your experience in the theater? I had an amazing... I mean, so the context is I've been a Taylor Swift fan since 2006 mm -hmm. so I'm coming into this with like I'm almost been a bit jaded I would say by like her, just her sheer level of popularity this year has been insane mm -hmm. uh but it kind of brought the magic back a bit for me mm. like being there I don't know I to set the scene like it was a Sunday afternoon I was a bit hungover mm -hmm. I wasn't really in the mood to sit through like a three-hour movie yeah uh but no it was a I, it was like as soon as the film began, I was just happier. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it was amazing. What did you think? Yeah, well, uh, I was in a similar situation. It was the day after my birthday, and it was uh, and 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 I was tired. But we were together. It was you and me, and yeah. my seven year old niece Athena came, and some of my best friends, and my boyfriend, and and I didn't really realize until a little ways in that like this was a thing that we were going to be standing and dancing. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I don't think I expected any of that to be honest. Yeah, like, I was fully prepared to just like sit there. Uh, I mean, we were kind of getting bullied into dancing. Yeah. Like, there was pressure coming from people in the audience. Yeah. Uh, which was insane. I'm going to cut in here because I was on Swiss Cottage Odeon, which is on the Finchley Road in northwest London, and there was zero dancing. No dancing? Oh, that's Zero so sad. dancing and zero singing. So <laughs> it was a very British. I also would say that I think, I mean, I did, I did not go in there hungover and I did not go in there <laughs> in a sort of dismissive way whatsoever. I went in there with my eyes fully open to the magic that was about to roll. <laughs> um, and I was so overwhelmed with how much I was excited and sort of I was just overwhelmed by it that I just absolutely started bawling like I could not stop crying for the first 20 minutes and I don't even know what it was about I looked around at my daughter and she too was in floods of tears I think um I think fearless just took us right over the edge it's so funny what do you think it was what do you think made you feel emotional I think it'd been a really crappy week yeah um the news cycle's miserable yeah and I just felt so much positive energy and happiness and mm-hmm. just this kind of like there's no wrong in this yeah <laughs> it just felt good I'd love to talk a little bit about the concert film as a film like how it worked as an actual movie Anna you saw it in concert too yeah yeah what did you think of it as a movie I thought it it worked way better than I expected it to. Yeah. So I remember beforehand hearing the bit about, oh, they want it to feel like the concert. And I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it really did feel like you were, by the end, we were clapping earnestly for the dancers <laughs> as yeah. they were like taking their bows as though they could see us. Right. Like so I <laughs> fully just, yeah, I agree. I didn't think it was going to work that way. Yeah. You know, the one thing I, even though I enjoyed it, I felt I sort of had to let myself go and accept the cheesy aspect of it was like there were a lot of things that felt really built for a stadium tour and built to be seen from far away that looked kind of silly close up. Um, I you're a fair weather Swifty. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I mean, you've automatically discounted yourself from. <laughs> I know. I'm out. I know. I should take my <laughs> no, bracelets I off. No, I agree. Like every time it would, it would. Every time the scream would go to like one of the fans that was like, just ten out of ten shrieking <laughs> at any moment during the movie. It was funny. Like it's just like funny to see people having that reaction, even if you're having it yourself too. Yeah. The other one that I, I just kind of, I couldn't really let myself fully in because it seemed so silly was um, she was in her kind of witchy Evermore era. Oh, the Kate Bush phase. Loved yeah, it. Yeah, around 2020. Yeah, the Kate Bush yeah, phase was great. Cabin. Um, I didn't mind. She was wearing sort of, at one stage, she was wearing a, um, really like a witch's cape. Yeah. That was great. Uh, but a she, full like coven seance sequence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With a moss-covered piano. That's which it. Which was stunning. That's it, Joe. Honestly, she sat down on the piano. It had been totally covered in fake moss. It Maybe. looked like this like woodland chia pet. It looked like we were seeing it too close up. I didn't, I could I couldn't. Oh, I loved it. I, really? And I loved it. You I think of it all. kind of as like a Broadway show in a sense. Yeah. Like yeah. she's putting on a full performance. 
which I and also like. she was doing narrative there. That was her narrative moment. So we had to go with her on her voyage into this kind of you know characterization that she was inhabiting for the purposes of writing the album. And I was there with <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah, sorry, because, Layla, you're wrong. <laughs> because why not? And also, you don't want to see a concert that looks sophisticated and chic. It's a pop concert. It's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be kitsch. Like the whole point is that it's like extra. Yeah. And you know, and she's never been like a dancer. I think that's the other beauty of Taylor. She's so tall and gangly that yeah. actually she, you know, she she's like not kind of naturally kind of particularly um, fluid in her movements. So mm-hmm. it's always looked a bit jangly. And I think that's also kind of part of why I love her. Yeah. Yeah. She's always giving theater kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the material of the show itself and what she's doing. Um, the idea was that she was taking a tour uh, through all of her eras, this like, you know, the naive young country ones, her princess ones, her breakup ones, her sexy ones, her like, I'm in love ones, her I'm a cat lady ones, her I don't care, I'm a weird witch ones. And um, I saw it as sort of asking us to celebrate them with her and in turn sort of asking us to look back at our own eras and let her eras remind us of our own. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, for the her, like, bread-and-butter core fan base that's been around forever, it's like you grew up with her. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of why it gets so, for me at least, why it gets so emotional so quickly. It's like you're going through these phases in your life, too, mm-hmm. where, like, she goes to Fearless, and she's like, let's go back to high school, and then you go to Red, and I remember, like, the coffee shop I was in when Red came out. Mm-hmm. And it's just like too much at once. <laughs> yeah. Like she like taps into that expertly. I yeah. Think. Can I ask what, for both of you, what your favorite era was and uh, whether that seems different from the era that you're in? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my I, I have two. My favorites are Evermore and Reputation. Mm-hmm. I think I made that clear Ooh, while you were sitting next that to is me. A very controversial choice, but yes. I think I'm permanently in my reputation era. Like we were talking <laughs> about this, like I'm kind of like, like me or hate me, I don't care. Like that's my vibe generally. Yeah. I also just think the reputation songs translate better to a big stage because mm-hmm. they're kind of like intense. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I kept building, and every time a new era came up, I was like, "Yeah, I think I, I think this is, this might be my favorite. I think this might be my favorite era." I really got stuck on 1989. I have to say, I do mm-hmm. think that is like almost perfect, perfect album. Yeah, I quite. I do like folklore. I personally don't see them as my own eras at all. But I guess my daughter is kind of you know the lifespan of her career, and she was obsessed with Taylor Swift as soon as she could like breathe. So I think I obviously have that kind of maternal sort of sadness about seeing a girl change into a woman, blah, blah, blah. But I don't really think that was where I was going with this. I was very much just enjoying her being like on top of her game. No, I'm with you. Every era I would be like, oh my God, this is my favorite. (laughs) Lila really came alive during Red. Like something was happening with you when Red came on. I did come alive (laughs) during Red and I I was diagnosed as a quote, Red girl. (laughs) Yeah, you fully are. Red's, Red's beautiful. I interviewed Taylor Swift years ago in 2014 for Red, um, and it was a huge moment for her. And I always felt a bit sad because she was clearly under the grip of a kind of horrible eating disorder. Um, yeah. And there was a lot going on in her personal life, and she was very haunted. And I just, I always find that moment quite sort of sad, a kind of sad one. So I'm always happy to see her get through Red and then on to the next and sort of get beg- bigger and better. Joe, I'm sorry, you spoke to Taylor Swift. Shall we go into that? What happened? (laughs) 
So I interviewed her for a Vogue cover in 2014 and it was her first UK Vogue cover and they kind of courted me, like they courted Vogue um, because they wanted to place it, which is kind of ludicrous when you think about it like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And she was incredibly, it was just one of those things. I think this is why people love her. It was well, certainly why I'll always love her is that we met in a restaurant and she was like, okay, now we're going to go to my house. And then we went to her house for like two hours and play with her cats. And we sat on the like floor on a balcony outside her Tribeca apartment. And we kind of like talked about poetry. And it was just the whole thing was just like I was at a girl's slumber party. Mm. And that was my, and it was like amazing. And the day after she sent me flowers and a po- and a quote from Zelda Fitzgerald, I remember. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was, it, we went deep. It was, it was a major moment. Did having met her and, uh, and Anna, you've been at an event with her. Did, does, do those experiences affect how you see her show like how you see her as a public figure i think that's it's all kind of the same thing right like it's i think joe kind of hit on it it's like this we all feel like she's our friend yeah even if you've never met her or even been in like anywhere near her like i I think that's like what she cultivates like with beyonce i feel like i think she's so amazing but I can't even imagine like sitting down to lunch with her. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I've have done that also, about? and she's definitely not your friend. <laughs> okay. Not your friend. <laughs> okay. So Joe no. should just give. We just need a deep dive on that as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's part of it is like you feel like she's your friend that you know really well and like has been through similar things as you. And right. it, yeah, I th- I think for me the big. I don't know, whatever it is, what do you call it? The big thing about Taylor is her kind of inherent loneliness. Like Mm -hmm. there's something about her that is like, she's the eternal singleton. I mean, she may or may not be dating whoever she is. But like for the time being, she's like the equivalent of Jennifer Aniston is Mm. also. She's got that kind of magical allure of being the most super powerful, brilliant, kind of like all consuming, financially bombastic kind of characters in our cultural world. And yet she still can't find a man. So it's that whole kind of other sub-narrative that I think taps very deeply into why we all we all identify with her, right? Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, I have to, like, I think Red partially woke me up because those songs, like, we are never, ever, 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 ever getting back together. I mean, who else does that? Kelly Clarkson, but she's no Taylor <laughs> Swift. Like, you kind of, she's she gives you these, like, things that you kind of need as your life goes along and as you sort of mature. Um, She's like an avatar for the sad girls. <laughs> sad girl exactly. and the angry girl and the slightly yeah. mental, like, you know, the sort of psycho over analytical, like all the things that we despise in ourselves. She allows kind of let her freak flag fly. And I think that's mm. why you're like, oh, my God, yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anna, can you tell us a little bit about like, you know, you've been covering the business of Taylor Swift for a long time, like about like the actual power you know I'm sitting here like wondering how I got wrapped up in this phenomenon I feel like I was watching (laughs) it from afar over the summer and now I am you know asking about why her football player boyfriend like (laughs) wears such bad outfits and like just care I just care um yeah why yeah uh I mean so I'm a reporter I write about the music industry uh I don't there's she's really truly in my era no pun intended, the only artist that is a business story mm-hmm. consistently and has been since I've been doing this like six years ago. But I think I I kind of like I try to avoid hyping her because I like her so much. So I keep asking these like dudes who've been in this industry forever, like, has this ever happened? Like, is this really that crazy? And they're like, yes, it really is that crazy. Mm. Everyone kind of relates it to either the Beatles or Elvis. Wow. In terms of just like the sheer phenomenon of it 
in the past two years, she's gone from pretty big pop star to like, yeah, Elvis or the Beatles. Mm -hmm. No one seems to really know why. <laughs> like, even if you look at like, comparing to like folklore versus now, her streaming numbers, her sales numbers, even like likes on Instagram, it's like five to 10 times higher than it was in 2020, wow. which is sort of insane. So I think in a way it's just like all building on itself and then the tour being so big, it's just be it's just morphed into something else really in the past year. Yeah. Um, I have to ask uh, both of you, I feel a little like this feels like she's gotten so big that it's like in a way feels dangerous to me, like something feels unsustainable about it, um, especially for somebody who's built this fame off of like a folksy kind of like I'm just a normal friend of yours persona. I like as you watch her sort of so she partners with I mean, who knows, this probably won't last, but she partners with a football player and suddenly her sort of visibility you know, doubles and she uh, goes on these tours and then the movie comes out and then she's going to go to Europe. And yesterday I went on TikTok and a dentist was investigating photos of her to see if she had gotten new veneers. And it was like, <laughs> Taylor, I think has new veneers. And it just felt a little <laughs> scary. And, <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, is this a bubble? Is it going to pop? Is she going to like blow up? You know, is she going to fall? Like, what do you guys think? I think it definitely feels unsustainable. I almost think that she's now reached such a level of fame that it doesn't even matter. Mm. Like, even if like a scandal happened or there was some like backlash, like it's kind of like she's still just I, I, I almost think she, like, she's too big to fail at this point. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? I think it would be really interesting if she did get married. I think if she does end up being happily ensconced in a beautiful relationship, I think that would be quite a challenge because I think that's always the problem for anybody, like settling down when the heartache ends, you know, how do you kind of build a career out of that ongoing? So unless she's going to move into a whole other kind of Madonna ray of light era, which is entirely possible as well, because let's face it, Madonna's done pretty well at kind of keeping a career going. Um, there is that for her. Yeah. But... But yeah, I think it's, it's, I really think it's like where the artistic journey is going. And I think she is, you know, she's, she's always kind of delivered on, on that. And it's the minute she doesn't. And I think a happy song about being in a beautiful relationship and, and making babies is maybe going to be a struggle for her fans. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess we'll have to see. Or maybe they'll be thrilled for her. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe we need it. Maybe uh, I feel confident we'll she's going to find angst about motherhood. So <laughs> oh my God, no, wait. no, not the mother's era. Like, no. <laughs> That'd be great. Then her divorce album. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's written, surely. She's got that ready, <laughs> like ready to go. Um, I guess, thank you both so much. I guess my last question is sort of like, do you have any other thoughts about what all of this says about us? <laughs> My God, I th I think broadly, I think we're all just like seeking some like happiness and fun. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the like the concert business is booming like crazy right now. I think a lot of it is that just like the past five years have been so brutal in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And people are just like ready to like enjoy something. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? I mean, I think there's I think we've when there's always been women in whom we've invested a huge amount of like our hopes and dreams. I think there's, you know, she's not the first. There was Madonna. She's currently touring. That concert seems pretty awesome as well. And I'm sure there's a lot of people crying their way through that because it's also a 
backlist. Beyonce yeah. is another. Kate Bush. I mean, I would love Taylor to do a Kate Bush. I'd love her to like drop an absolutely awesome album and then vanish for like <laughs> 15 years, 20 years. I think, and she's heading that way. I mean, she's got the velvet cape. She's got the cabin. She's like well in the mindset. So, or, or a Björk. I think, there's, I think there's a real space for her now to do, as you say, whatever she likes. And what does it say about us? I think, you know, we need more female role models in the yeah. world. Yeah, I know. I was thinking um, when I was watching, I was just thinking like, you know, even though I'm wrapped up in this, even though uh, I, I sort of have become this uh, hyper fan overnight. Um, but what sort of pulled me into this is really just that, like, I liked going with my friends and my niece and having it's so cheesy, but like having a fun time, just like being a girl. I, I have yeah. a video of you from Sunday and you're like, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was at a 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and I agree with you, Joe. It would be nice to have more of it. Okay, Joe and Anna, this was an absolute pleasure, delight, (laughs) and joy. Thank you both so much for being on the show. Thank you, Lila. Thank you for having me. That's the show this week. Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the life and arts podcast from the Financial Times. We have some links that Anna and Joe have written about Taylor Swift in the show notes. The links will get you past the paywall, as well as a link to the best offers available to a subscription to the FT. Those offers are at ft.com slash weekend podcast. Make sure to use that link. If you want to say hi, we love hearing from you. You can email us at ftweekendpodcast.ft.com. The show is on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ftweekendpod. And I am always on Instagram chatting with you at Lila Rapp. I am Lila Raptopoulos, and here's my talented team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer and our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a lovely weekend and we'll find each other again next week. <laughs>